Nothing more than the enemy wants to do is to isolate, to isolate people, to get you feeling like you're the only one that feels the way you do, you're the only one that experiences things that you experience, and that's a lie. And so as we, as we, as we are here together today and as we um, have our service today, I'd, I'd like you to, I'd really like you to risk um, letting people into your life. I'd, re- I'd like us all, and, and I'd like you just to close your eyes for a minute <clears throat> and uh, ask Heavenly Father, why, why, do I, why do I feel isolated first, and what's keeping me from reaching out of, of making myself vulnerable? God made us to be in a community. God made us to be family. And there's, there's many reasons why we don't. There's, we've been hurt. We've, had to, we've built walls. We've grown accustomed to it. Maybe there's some pride. Maybe there's, there's a number of reasons why we, don't, why we don't let people in. And at the same time, we need to be, we need to be willing to go after people. We need to, we need to seek people out that are isolated and that are alone. Because sometimes it might be the, the, the person that's in the center of everything. Sometimes we can, our defenses can be talking a lot or, or making it seem like we're not lonely when really we're, we feel all alone. So Heavenly Father, I just, I just pray, Lord, that this our church can be a place where people can feel connected, where they can feel connected to your heart. Lord, so many times you use other people to speak to us. If we isolate ourselves, we miss out on what you're saying to us, on part of what you're saying. And at times it can be what you want to tell us is, is you want to use the very person that we would rather you not use. But Lord, I, I just pray that we can be a place of vulnerability, that we can play it, be a place of realness, that we can, we, can, we can overcome our own pride of not needing. It takes, it takes humility to need. It takes a vulnerability to express need. And so, Lord, I just I pray, Lord, that we can be sensitive, that we can be, that we can handle each other's um, lives with care and love. Lord, make us sensitive. Help us to see people the way you see them. Help us to love. Help us to love like you love. Teach us how to do that. Amen. So I was praying and asking the Lord what to share this morning. Um, and it's interesting, he generally almost always tells me the same thing to share with you guys. And um, first, he always makes it clear, and then he'll give me some other things. But the first thing he said was he said, tell the people that I love them. And so I just want to first just pray over you that, so I'm just going to pray it. So Father, I just ask for a deeper revelation an ability to receive your love in each one that's here this, today. That we would receive your love. 
in a deeper way. In Jesus' name. Um, so the other thing I wanted to share was we, we ask God for more. It's one thing that is just a typical prayer of a heart that longs to be with the Lord and um, see his kingdom come. You know, we, we pray, Lord, we, we ask for more. We ask for more. And he said to me, he said that there's, um, he, he gave me the example of the, uh, the multiplication of the bread and the fish. And he said the disciples you know, Jesus blessed it, and then he gave it to them, and as they gave it out, it was multiplied. And he showed me kind of two cool things about that. One is that the more came in the act of, of faith and obedience to what he said. And the second thing is, I never thought about this at all, is he said, if I would have given, if I would have just multiplied all that bread, and there would have been all this bread and fish, it would have actually been a burden to the disciples to give out all that weight and carry all those baskets around. And so sometimes we go through life and we ask God for more, and the more can come in a way that actually is, um, it, it actually is, is a blessing that it doesn't all come at one time, that it comes along the journey. And so um, that's what I wanted to share with you this morning, just encourage you in that. We all went to a little conference called Firestorm, First night, Todd White spoke. How many of you heard Todd White before? How many of you think that he's got enough muscles and he needs to relax that workout system just a little bit? Anyone? How many think he should cut a, at least a foot off of his dreadlocks because it's starting to drag him down? <laughs> Me? I'm the only one? Okay. Todd talked to us about consecration. What's that? Tammy said, I wish I had hair. Uh, that's true, actually. He could, he could cut half of it off. I could glue it on. <laughs> Todd talked to us about um, holiness, surrender. And uh, one of the things that I took away from his talk the most was that his temptation is to back off just a little bit of the intensity of his private time seeking God every day, just to back off a little bit, not rob a bank or look at porn or a lot of the things he used to do in his old life, but his temptation at this season is just to, just to take it easy, thinking, it's going pretty good. I've got a good life. I'm saved. It's, it's good. And if he, if he backs off a little bit, he backs off a little more, and he backs off a little more. And before he knows it, his mind is no longer renewed by what God is saying today. And now he's living on the fumes of yesterday. And he's open to thinking what he thinks. He's open to deception, in other words, of believing what he thinks about his life. And that felt just like a wonderful, sweet kick in the pants. Just felt so good. Felt so good. Sometimes, don't you like to get a good, solid, swift kick in the butt? There was no, there was no condemnation on it. Uh, another funny thing he said that I loved so much was, um, he said, sometimes when I preach, people think that God's angry or I'm angry. He's like, God's not angry. He's just intense. He's just so in love with you that he can't stand to see anything come between you and him. 
So anything that comes between you and him, he absolutely hates it. And he puts his finger on it and says, get it out of your life. And then, of course, we all wept because he gave an altar call for people who are compromised in their sexual integrity to come to the front and get free. Talking about how many believers think that they never will be free until they die. Which makes death your savior, not Jesus. And so we were praying and praying for the people at the front, just praying and praying and praying. And when this guy came back to his seat, his wife greeted him. I assume she was his wife. And they embraced and they wept and they wept and they wept. I could hardly watch because it was just so beautiful that I knew that if I watched too much, I would start to explode with wailing. You know what I mean? The beauty of it, the, the sweetness of it, the goodness of it. Because it's like I'm watching someone raised from the dead in front of me. You know what I mean? Who else talked? Banning. Oh, Banning Liebscher. Banning Liebscher hit us with this really, really awesome point. He was real simple. He's like, some people think all you need is God. That's super out of balance. What you need is three really, really important things. You need the presence of God. You need the word of God. And you need the people of God. And without those three things in your life, you're out of balance. Immediately, instantly. You know, and Brian and I were talking about on the way home, and Brian's like, I can't even sing songs anymore that say, Father, you're all I need. Because actually in Genesis 2, God designed Adam and said he had a perfect relationship with Abba, and God said it's not good for the man to be alone. Genesis 2, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, we need each other. You know? And Banning even, I thought it was interesting, he was like, I've heard it said the one person plus God is a majority, and he's like, no. One person plus the family of God that he's connected them to is a majority. And I'll throw this out there for free as well. He's like, if your marriage is only as good as you can do, if you're giving it the best you got, that's not good enough. Because God's given you people who have graces you don't have. I need to be giving it Butch and Tammy's best because they're connected to me. I need to be giving it Brian and Jen's best. You know what I mean? When it comes to finances, there's people with grace in the house. When it comes to emotional health, there's people with grace in the house. When it comes to working on a car, there's people with grace in the house. And when we give life our, our best, that's just American individualism. Where I'm like, if I have any needs, then that's embarrassing. Ah, just such a good word. Who else preached? Oh, you got a word on that. Well, I was just going to give a story that Banning shared, and I thought it illustrated this point really well. They were at a conference, and I'm not going to tell it as good as Banning, so just bear with me. But they were at a conference, and the, and the Banning's a, a minister, a pastor. And so the worship leaders challenged the, the uh, ministers to a, a game of basketball. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Banning's a, a really competitive guy, so he's, gonna, he's, he's all into this, you know. And uh, so he, <laughs> he said they played, and they got whooped. He just, it just wasn't even hardly a contest. And uh, so he's feeling kind of, you know, whatever you do after you lose a basketball game really bad and you, when you're really competitive. And a guy come up to him and said, hey, how about, that was really fun. Why don't we do this next year? Oh, was it? The worship leaders Yeah, the worship leaders beat the preachers. And so Banning, he had a friend of his that was played in college college basketball so he goes up to him and said hey don't you want to go into on a on a ministry trip or something you know he started buddying up to him and uh 
So he, oh, yeah, <laughs> and by the way, so he, he, he had some interactions with him throughout the year, and he said, hey, by the way, you know, just thought I'd meant to throw this out there. There's this conference that's coming up, and uh, I'd really li- I think you'd really like enjoy this. And uh, by the way, bring your sneakers. And uh, so he, um, he said they went, and he said he preached, and he said he don't, he don't even remember what he preached. He said, you know, God loves you, amen, you know, um, be nice to people and whatever. <laughs> and so then they played, and they just tore the worship leaders up. I mean, they beat them bad. And... Uh, and he was making the point. He said, you know, if I'd, have just, if I'd have just kept bringing my best self, we'd have gotten beat. But he said, why do that when you have friends? Why, you know, we got friends that, that are good at things. Why not? Let, let's, let's draw on each other's strengths. And I just thought that illustrated it very, very well in a, in a funny way. <laughs> yep. We also heard from a young lady named Katie Luce who had a child born who had a fatal disease, lived three years, and she wrote a book about the process of walking through that extremely painful um, multiple-year, you know, journey, and then afterward, the, you know, the healing and grieving journey that she's still, and her and her husband and, and family are still on, and that lady's, I think I could go on record and say, I, I, that's the one, I'm like, Katie Luce, I want Katie Luce to come to, to Gateway, um, just such, such a depth and such a sweetness, and abs- she's absolutely convinced in the goodness of God. One funny story she told was she was in this prayer group, and their whole strategy was you'd link arms. Was it hold hands? They would link arms and pray in tongues as hard and loud as they could until something happened. That gets no reaction out of you guys? Until something happened. That's, that's, I was like, man, I've never tried that one. <laughs> We're going, to, we're going to pray in tongues as hard as we can until something happens. And one time, uh, they noticed that at the end, she and the guy next to her, they just, they just had it in them to keep going. Well, then they, then they fell in love and got married. So, so be careful with that is really the point. Um, but she was fantastic. Who else talked? Oh, my goodness, the bishop, Joseph Garlington. So as soon as Bishop Joseph Garlington, he's one of my favorites. He's like so old, but he feels so young. He's like a pastor, but he's also like a comedian and a musician, which is another way of saying I love him, because that's all the three things I am and want to do. And his keyboard player plays the whole time that he talks. And he's, I, does anyone remember anything funny he said? Because he just made you laugh the whole time, but he never once told a joke. Well, his big thing was, he, as soon as he started talking, I was like, the Holy Spirit put this entire little rant he's going on into his spirit just for Rusty and Linda. Everything they're walking through with their family right now, like, I thought, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit, out of all these thousands of people gathered, he highlighted, and then I thought, maybe it's going to be a 20-second rant that was just for them. Then it was five minutes, then it was ten minutes, then it was literally a whole sermon with careful notes and many, many Bible passages, all saying the same thing. You know, I'll give you a quote from the bishop. When you say, the, the enemy likes to, likes to scare us because the situation around us looks like what God said is never going to happen. So God gives us a promise, but then the opposite appears to be happening in our life. So the little kid's in the back seat, and she's got a terrible headache, and she just keeps saying, my head's hurting, my head's hurting, my head's hurting, my head's hurting. 
And they turn around and say, no, 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 don't confess. Your words have power. Don't confess. My head's hurting. The brother says, say I'm healed. I'm healed, but my head's still hurting. <laughs> and that, I love that. We're not talking about pretending something's not really happening. That is, we're clinging to the promise and we're admitting what's really happening around us at the same time. And we're walking through it. We're not, ah, la, 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 I can't hear you. I can't, no, no, no. But the whole sermon was just oriented to how do we walk by faith in the middle of the process before what God said is going to happen has actually come to pass. And, you know, it's such a cheerful and joyful thing. And then halfway through, we'd start singing. This is how I fight my battles. Just good stuff. I assume that they're going to they're gonna say some stuff about that. But then Charles Stock uh, was, is the actual lead pastor there. Sometimes Jesus is so good and so beautiful and the gospel is so big and so profound that it's hard to almost connect it to like your daily life. Do you know what I mean? It's like, ah, we've won the victory. This is overwhelming grace. And so he talked to us about living in a manner worthy of the gospel and how we live in a manner worthy of the gospel is to live in the victory of Jesus now on this side of the grave. That if Jesus wanted to... Uh, if the point of the gospel was that we would die and go to heaven, then why in Genesis 2 uh, do we read that in the day you eat the tree, you'll die? In other words, the original intention was never to die. So if death was never even a part of the original plan, then dying and going to heaven can never be the original gospel. Is that simple enough? So the gospel is to get us back into the abundant life that we had at the beginning. Uh, morning, everybody. Um, that's what I was going to talk about. I mean, everybody it seems like everybody said some of the things that I was going to say, and that's fine. But okay. I, I wanted to um, piggyback off of what um, uh, Willard Butch said about community. It, it, is so, um, it is so important that we let each other know um, what's going on in our lives. I mean, Brian and I do as close friends because we work together, but um, I think that's the way it should be with, um, with with our church family, not to gossip, but to um, be able to come alongside each other and, and pray for each other and, and help each other because there's resources out there that um, that that the church has that, that we won't, I don't think we'll ever, we won't never be in lack. Um and one of the things that Bob Hazlick was saying, um, he, he was prophesying over some people in the church. And this couple stood up. I, you remember where they were from? Like New Jersey. And everything that he said to this couple, I, I felt about their church, it was exactly what our church is kind of embarking on or going through. And it was just amazing to, to, and I'm like, I know he, he's, I think all of us were feeling that he's talking to us, he's talking to us and, and about our church. So I, I just want to let you guys know, I'm not going to say what he said, but we have a great hope and a great future um, for our church. And we are so blessed and so honored that even if no matter how, 
things um, think in your mind like you're thinking that, you know, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this. Um, keep doing it because God has big plans for us. Um, so, yeah, everything we experienced there was so awesome. But the one thing I wanted to share with you is, is what happened to me personally in Hudson. At the, it, was, it, was, it was weird. Like, I've been to many of these conferences, and every time God usually will speak something specific to me for that trip. And, um, of course, taking a baby is a whole different dynamic because you're in, in the sanctuary, you're out of the sanctuary, you're going to the nursing room, you're, you know, back and forth. Um, so I was like, you know, this was a great trip, but I didn't have anything like specifically like just spoken to me, although all the speakers were awesome and I got a lot from them. Um, but we actually were getting ready to leave yesterday and we we're getting all our stuff together. And there was a lady that was sitting across the aisle from me. And I noticed she was like kind of just looking at me and Hudson and I'll get through it. Um, she just said, can I hold him for a minute? I was like, sure, you know, it's, you know, you could tell her she was just so joyful, and, and he, I, I swear, everybody he was looking at would come up to him, and he would just start laughing and smiling, and I just feel like with, because me and Brian, I know we have anointing with joy in our life, that our children, and I'm proclaiming that our children have the same thing, and it's, you know, their inheritance that they get from him, but from us also, and um, so everyone that was coming up to him was saying, oh, you're so cute. And he would just light up. And I don't know how many times people were just like, oh, that just made my day. You don't know. That just made my day. Just as simple as a little smile from a child. Um, so she held him, and she proclaimed and prophesied over him. And I was just blown away because I went through this whole trip. Like, I got stuff, but I didn't get, like, that one thing that I was like, oh, yes, that was why I came. And that was why I came, was for him. And it touched me so much that she went out of her way and she, she um, followed God's leading to do that. I mean, because she could have said, no, I don't know that person. and I'm not going to do that. That would be embarrassing or awkward. But she didn't. She went out of her way. She followed God's leading. And she doesn't know how much that blessed me. And, and for him, but just blessed me. Um, so I got her email, and we're going to keep connected because the words that she spoke over him, I'm claiming them, and I want her to be a part of that because I want her to see him growing up and what she claimed over him about people are going to know him. He's going to bring joy in people's lives, and people are going to know him at a young age, and they're going to know his name, and it was amazing, awesome. So saying all that, encouragement. When God's speaking something to you, even if it's to a total stranger, you don't know how much effect that will have on their rest of their days or rest of their life even. Um, and the piggyback with community, just in here, when we're in here worshiping and praying with each other, if someone, if, I mean, if God speaks to you and say, go up to that person, even if you know them or not, because we've been having a lot of new people coming in, just follow God's leading. You just don't know how much of a difference it makes in their lives. So when Rusty and I spoke last week, to be really honest, when, when we got finished, I thought, <sighs> my thoughts were, which y'all know, my thoughts were been met, kind of messed up. Just for a split second, my thought was, I am going to regret 
that I shared anything, I'm just going to regret it. But immediately after that thought, thank God it didn't take root, there has just been like this covering, this protection. I know that like, the whole conference was for us. <laughs> it, it just felt that way. Like every time somebody got up and spoke, it was like they knew what we were going through. And God was just, it just felt like he was taking such great care of us, just protecting us. And, you know, like Butch said, I heard him say that, and I just come into agreement with Rusty and Linda. And, and it brought, everybody was doing that. Everybody was picking up on the fact that there were words. But Bishop, yeah, I mean, he was just spot on. And um, while we were sitting here this morning in worship, the Lord reminded me. Uh, do you know who Pastor Jim Cimbala is from the Brooklyn Tabernacle? Anybody know who he is? Okay. Fresh wind, fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh power, fresh prayer, fresh everything. Fresh. Everything's fresh. fresh. And uh, <laughs> that's right, <laughs> which we didn't have a lot of. <laughs> um, but he, he reminded me this morning of what um, Pastor Simbola and his wife Carol went through with their oldest daughter. And you know, I haven't wanted to open up about what we're going through. I've been very, we've been very cautious about who we've talked to. But it was when Jim Cimbala stood in front of a couple thousand people and told them, you know, my daughter is lost. She thinks up is down and down is up. We don't know where she is. And we've tried everything. We've spent money. We've We've done this, we've done that, and that's kind of been our story. I mean, we don't know where our son is right now exactly. Um, we know he's lost. But I'm sharing that. That's a big risk for me to share that. But it is for me. And you know what? I, if it's a risk, if I feel like it's a risk for me to stand up and be even more vulnerable, then I know that you guys have got stuff going on too. Because I'm telling you, after we spoke... You have no idea how much it has meant. The, the texts, the um, phone calls, the messages on Facebook have just spoken life to me to know that, um, first of all, you didn't think I was crazy, and, um, and that some of you are going through a lot of the same stuff, and now you don't feel so isolated and so alone. Well, Linda, I'm glad that you... Uh shared that because I thought I haven't got any glowing reports of anything to share. So you're vulnerable. Maybe I can be. And uh, I came home on the van um, down and Tim talked, was telling, this is what we're doing today. And everybody else was celebrating and inside I was saying, oh crap. It's the last thing on earth I want to be doing. And I get home and I told Butch, I said, I've spent the last year and a half. It's been a crappy year. Chronic pain. Dryness, deadness, emptiness, and I keep ministering from it, and God works powerfully, but I am done. I ain't got nothing left, and I ain't got nothing to give. I can't impart something. I ain't got nothing to give, and I didn't have any moment. It was a good teaching. I love teaching, you know me, and 
And I, I like, I, I ain't got nothing. And uh, last week, I was like, I am dead emotionally, spiritually, and intellectually. And there is just a vacuum in there. And how do you impart something when it's just a vacuum? And I woke up this morning. Two things came to my mind. One was, your words have power. And I'm like, oh, I've already said it. But another thing came to my mind is, I'm not the only one that feels dead. I'm not the only one that sits in a pew when someone says, ah, oh, can't you just feel the Holy Spirit move? And you're like, ah, oh, no. All I feel is my stomach growling. I'm not the only one that goes to services where there's so much prophetic going on and people are praying and you just feel so invisible. And you're just wondering, Lord, do you really even care? And so I thought, well... Maybe there's someone here that is just feeling just like there ain't nothing inside that you got to bring. And so maybe we can get together and pray for each other. I did think, I thought, I should connect this to the conference somehow. One of the verses that I think it was Todd White, I think it was him that used it. One of them used that verse, said that verse in John 16, 8, where, the, where Jesus is praying and he's going to send a comforter. And the comforter is going to convict the world of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, we do a pretty good job hearing the Holy Spirit convict us of sin. But where we get in trouble is when he's convicting us of righteousness. And our righteousness isn't by our own works. Our righteousness isn't because of the fact that we have a glowing testimony or because we can stand up and we've got something to impart. Our righteousness isn't based on the fact that when the Holy Spirit's flowing, we can feel it all over and we're drunk in it and we can just get goosebumps going on. Our righteousness is dependent upon what Christ has done and it's been imputed to us. And, I, th- and I, think, I think in those dead seasons, I think that we need to be really convinced of our right standing. And our right standing, not just in who we are in Christ, but who we are as a person. That we have something to bring. That we have a uniqueness that this body needs. And so, that the world needs. So, I, so that is an encouragement. That the, let's, let's, the Holy Spirit has already convicted us of sin once we've confessed it. It's done. That's past. And the judgment, we don't have to fear that. That convicting us, that's coming and, and, and even, even, even speaks to the accuser having been judged. We're in that middle time right now where what we need is being convicted of our right standing. And that's a done deal. If we're going to get through. And he says, concerning righteousness, he's convicting us of righteousness because he's gone. He's gone to the Father. So we need that. We need that Holy Spirit in us saying, it don't matter how dead you feel. It don't matter how dry you feel. It don't matter how empty you feel. It don't matter how you feel. Your right standing is based on what Christ has done for you. We could ask, oh, by the way, we're not sharing all this stuff because we went to an awesome conference and you didn't and you missed. You missed out. That's, that's the opposite of why we're sharing. We are part of you. And we're just trying to find ways to connect some of the good things the Lord said to all of us. As we were there, we were listening on behalf of all of us. Do you know what I mean? We were on journey there on behalf of all of us. And so we're trying to come home and make sure that we help share with you some of the things God said to all of us that only a few of us were present in those moments. So that's, that's what it 
That's why. We're not up here going, you guys missed an amazing conference. I'm more of a, like, I didn't want to be there the whole time. Like, I just wanted to be at home with my wife and kids. It was actually a big sacrifice to be there. But I still was really, really able to receive. Um, So if I could say, what did I take away? What's the main thing that I heard God say for me? There was this phrase a couple of speakers just kept saying. It said, some of you are weary in well-doing. And it's not that you're weary. See, there's the thing, is when you're discouraged and weary, it's super normal to try to figure out what you did wrong. How did I get here? How did I get to where my tank's empty? How did I get to where my tires are worn out? You know what I mean? I'm just emotionally worn out. How did I get, what did I do wrong? And the, and the speaker, uh, I think it was maybe Bob has it, doesn't really matter, it's Jesus, said, some of you are weary in well-doing. And you're wondering what you've done wrong. You haven't done anything wrong. You've been doing the things God called you to. If you don't quit, what does the passage say? You will reap a harvest in due season. But it's if you don't quit. So it's not, what am I doing wrong? You're actually weary because you've refused to give up doing what's right. So don't quit, Brian. Don't quit doing what's right. You're going to reap a harvest. It's, it's not that it's not working. It's that it's, the results take a while. I hope somebody here can hear that the way I heard that. Because it's just in the back of your mind. We have an enemy. We have an enemy that says, you should quit. You're wasting your life. You don't fit in. No one appreciates you. Does that sound familiar? You hear that voice? You know, and it's like, there was something that was going on in my conscience too during the weekend, which I can't disclose because there's other people's feelings involved. And yeah, and I was like, I refuse to submit my life to guilt. So if, I have, if my conscience is bothering me, I'm not just going to like obey that until I'm clear about is this Jesus or is this the accuser? So I said, Lord, I need you to be clear with me, like clear, crystal clear, because I'm not going to live my life. I'm not going down that path of being a slave to every little whimsical feeling of guilt that comes into my radar. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I need you to be clear with me, God, if this is you. So then I had like a nightmare, had bad sleep. It still took me 10 additional hours of being awake after that to put the pieces together that it was a direct answer to my prayer to be clear. Had one short conversation with the person on the phone and they were like, oh yeah, of course. Oh my word. And I feel squeaky clean. (sighs) Such a difference. But I was not about to submit to that little nagging radar that says, you're wrong. You didn't do this thing right. You made this mistake. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, 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 no. I need Jesus to speak loud and clear. I'm not living by guilt, shame, condemnation, perfectionism. I mean, if you, you, once you're charismatic, if you're rooted in perfectionism or law, you get more reasons to be con- condemned. I'm driving down the road. Pick up the trash. Oh, was that God or not? Well, I don't know if it was God, but I know I just ruined my whole day because I didn't do it right away. Oh, come on, that is not the abundant life of Jesus. And somebody would say, well, then just obey it. Are you crazy? There's a false Holy Spirit that wants to put you in slavery with, with a brand new charismatic twist on the old legalism. 
And you know it's false Holy Spirit because if you disobey it, it ratchets up the shame and guilt. Whereas the Holy Spirit will not ratchet up shame and guilt to get you to do things. He'll give an invitation of sweet communion and love. And he will make his voice clear. Even if it has to come through loud external circumstances to make it clear. Oh, thank you, Garth, for thanking us for sharing. Yeah. No. Yeah, I thought about you at the conference and how uncomfortable you would have been. You would have loved it right along with me. Worship was like an hour and 10 minutes, so I was like out talking to my wife on the phone because I was like, there's just too much emotionally going on in the room. I just had to tap out. You know, you'd link arms with somebody next to you, then you're weeping for reasons you don't even understand. It's like, I got to get out of here for a minute. This is, too, this is overload. And yet, and yet, at the end of the experience that I didn't really want to be at, it's like, you know, the story I've told in here with the little old lady whose grandson always takes her to church, and afterward, he says, what'd you learn today, Grandma? And she says... I have no idea. What the preacher talk about, Grandma? I have no idea. Well, then why am I taking you to church? I've been taking you to church five years. You never remember what the preacher says. And she says, well, if you take an old leaky bucket, you dip it down into that well, you draw it up. By the time it reaches the top, it ain't got much water in it, but it's a little bit cleaner. <laughs> That's kind of me at these kind of events, you know. You... <laughs> and it's easy to listen to the enemy. You look around the room like, I I totally relate to what you're saying, Tammy. You look around the room and it looks like people are like, the Lord is good and yes, and they're having these encounters and you're like, I'm sad and tired and hungry, but I do love you, Jesus. You know, I do love you, Jesus. And so you kind of force your heart into a place of saying, okay, I'm going to endure this 20-minute rant about why you should give a big offering, even though none of that matches my theology, because I love Jesus, you know? All right, that's enough. Go ahead and stand. I'd like you to go ahead and pick out someone who, when they were sharing this morning, you said, I, I, think, I think I connected with that, and I'd like you to come up and be patient and receive some prayer. So, um, Christina, are you still in the house? Where are you at? Right there. Can you play um, on the keyboards and whatnot? I'm going to pray, and then I'll give the invitation. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this this body of believers. You're building faith in us. We believe your word. We believe in the victory of Jesus. We believe in the power of the resurrection. We thank you, God, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in three persons, who for us and our salvation, Jesus, you took on flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, lived as one of us, suffered under Pontius Pilate, were truly dead, buried, and on the third day, the Father raised from the dead, victorious over Satan, sin, and death. We believe in the power of this resurrection that the Holy Spirit then poured out, brings this new life to all who call on your name, Jesus. We believe in forgiveness of sins. We believe in the kingdom of God that's here now and spreading through this earth. We invite you, move among us in this time. Move among us in this time. I say more, God. Strengthen the weary hearts right now in Jesus' name. Pour fresh oil, fresh oil in Jesus' name. Go ahead and come forward.